raw, uncut, and unapologetic. Welcome to Men Talking Mindfulness with your hosts John McCaskill and Will Schneider. Here we focus on helping men and those with men in their lives solve some of life's complex challenges through understanding the practices of mindfulness and how they can help. Each episode is in an environment free of judgment and criticism with a focus on authenticity and inner peace. Let's dig in. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to Men Talking Mindfulness. We're dropping in with Errol Dobler today in our Masculinity 2.0. This is our upgrade number four, where we're going to talk about toxic leadership awareness. Uh, you know, Errol Dobler's been on our show before. Uh, he is a former Navy SEAL, former FBI agent, leadership coach with uh, uh, it's, it's leader193.com. Is that right, Errol? That's it. That's right, it. yeah, leader193.com, uh, and also author. We broke down his book on our first episode. I think that was in season three, and I love even just the title of your book, Errol, The Process, Art, and Science of Leadership, colon, How Leaders Inspire Confidence and Clarity <laughs> in Combat in the Boardroom and at the Kitchen Table. That's uh, right. So, and we're going to talk about, you know, what toxic leadership looks like in the workplace, what it looks like in your family, Um you know, and, and why it even exists and uh, where it all kind of comes from. And that's why we brought uh, our man, uh, Errol Dobler, back on the show to help us understand this and kind of deconstruct it so maybe you can be a better leader instead of a toxic leader. So uh, where should we begin, gentlemen? What are you feeling? Well, I mean, let's let's just jump right in. I mean, uh, I know, okay. Errol, in, in your book, you again, we, we dove deep into that the first time we ever spoke to you. But I remember you specifically talking about you know, the leadership in the SEAL teams versus the leadership in the FBI and how there was some seriously toxic. I think you, I think the Tim was the name that of one. <laughs> that's right. That's that, right. You're that, right. You, yeah. That you guys, that you referenced, I don't know if that was actually a pseudonym or that was a real name, but um, there was, there was toxic leadership there. So let's, yeah. as we normally do, Will, we talk about kind of defining things. Let's define what, yeah. what toxic yeah. leadership looks yes. like. Yes. Awesome. I love it. Well, look, I, you know, that, and that was going to kind of be my question. The, and by okay. the way, it's great to see you guys again. Thank you. Know, you. I, Thank I, I've, you. I've got, you know, I, I think, right. Identifying or defining the terms we're using is, is super important. And yeah. whether my definition is different than your definition, you know, we'll speak to a definition, sure. but you know, it's, I think we kind of think normally it would be, you know, that person who's just yelling and screaming and name calling the whole time, which is accurate. That's toxic. But, you know, a lot of times it's just so much more subtle than that. And, and mm. you know, Will, you mm. asked me, you know, you just as we were prompting each other on this, you know, hey, maybe five things, you know, that mm. you see. And, and I was like, well, I can definitely come up with five things, but they would all be a subcategory of, of two areas the way I see it. And, and it's mm. ego and fear. Mm. Right? As, I, as I yep. really broke it down, mm -hmm. what are the two things, in my view, that creates that toxicity because the toxicity can be very subtle in my view. Mm -hmm. Right. And let's just, for example, um, ego, right. My way or the highway. Don't come to me with your big, great ideas. You're going to do it this mm -hmm. way because I know better. Right. Mm -hmm. That, whether that person is right or wrong, that's a toxic environment. Fear. I won't enforce, you know, behavioral guidelines. I won't, I won't identify the things I'm going to hold people accountable to because ah, I want people to like me and that's too hard. And I don't want to mm. come across like Hitler. Mm. Well, now everybody just yeah. gets to act the way they want to act. And it's because you were too afraid 
to set clear boundaries, the clear boundaries that the leader needs to set. So, you know, mm. maybe that's a good place to start. But those, that's, you know, after I gave it a lot of thought, I'm like, right. everything else, in my view, will iterate off of those two places, ego and fear. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, yeah, I, I, I agree. That's the first thing that came up for me as I started to dive into this topic is like, you know, I, I wrote here, like, you know, what are toxic leaders so scared of? Right. Yeah. And it's that fear. And, and, and maybe that should be something we can break down. And, and I think it goes against the, I mean, the, the fear of what, of, uh, of letting go of control. Like I, I know there's a lot of micromanaging, a lot of, you know, a control that a lot of leaders continually implement into the workplace. And they try to, you know, everything, like you said earlier, my way or the highway, um, you know, the uh, fear of taking risks, the fear of, um, of, of not succeeding, which, you know, or not always succeeding, I think, or, or measuring up to the same kind of metrics or the way that that success is measured within a, a family or a company. Um, and, and maybe the unwillingness to redefine, you know, what success looks like. In, in some ways. And, and the ability, I think, to fail, which leads eventually to success, if you're not a toxic leader and have the ability to go back, reflect, take responsibility, understand where you could um, do better the next time, and then getting buy-in from the rest of your team and getting feedback from the rest of your team and willing to take criticism. And, and, uh, and this, this is when you have a very strong ego intact. Uh, all those things, you try to do everything you can to prevent anything that I just mentioned from happening, I feel. You know, to take that reflection, to take that moment, uh, that take that pause and be like, wait, how did I fuck this up? You know, <laughs> instead of being like, you know, instead of being like everyone else fucked this up, I didn't. My leadership is great. Um, so what is it? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that the, uh, you know, as we give examples here and I, I think your audience is going to be this is going to be a tough subject for a lot of people to swallow. Right. Because, Good. again, the. <laughs> It, the when you hear toxic leadership, you just have this image of some crazy maniac yelling and screaming. And it's just, in my view, so much more subtle. So, right. So from the private sector and then, you know, I'd love to share. I left the FBI and I have always made it clear out of, out of a huge frustration with its leadership. And, mm. and that's starting to play out in public now. And people ask me a lot about it. And my response is the criticism the FBI is getting right now is deserved. They, mm. These things are happening and it comes from these brands of toxic leadership. And this is how it manifests itself. But, you know, to the private sector, what are the things that I see in my role when I'm coaching executives mm. and, and teams? Right. It's <clears throat> the leader not letting people do things the way they want to do them. Right. And that goes to a planning process saying, OK, here's what we need to accomplish. Here's the mission. Come back and tell me how you're going to do it. That, in my view, is the way it should be done. It's typically, here's what we're doing. Here's how you're going to do it. Okay, go. Right. Okay, yeah. so now you've got a bunch of robots. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. I guess he knows, he or she knows best. We go do it. We get it right or we get it wrong. And then that's the way now. That is the culture. That is the way things are done. And then the boss starts complaining. Nobody takes his initiative around here. I have to tell him <laughs> to do everything. And meanwhile, it's like, dude, that's what you train them to do. And now right. you're complaining that all of a sudden they're not breaking out of your mold because now for every initiative, you have to do this thing because that's what you train. And then that becomes an incredibly toxic environment, right? Mm -hmm. If you think about it in, in the most subtle ways that I, you know, I don't know if I'm overreaching there and trying to fit a, a square peg in a round toxic environment hole, but I, I don't think I am. 
I don't think so either. I mean, I, th- I think basically what you're talking about is is the difference between an active passive or sorry, active toxic leader and a right. passive toxic leader, right? The, 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 the active one is the one that we all kind of envision when you hear toxic leadership is yelling and demeaning. And the, the other one is still toxic, but they're doing so because they're micromanaging, because they're telling you how to do something and judging whether something is done, done right or wrong by how closely you did it to how, how close you are to their how not how right. close you are to their their desired mm-hmm. end state. So, I mean, like I go as a leader, I say, okay, I want you to do this. I want you to get from point A to point B. And you arrive at point B, that to me is success. Yep. But mm-hmm. if, if I say, I want you to get from point A to point B, and this is how I want you to get there, and this is what I want you to do along the way, and then you arrive at point B, which is success, but I'm saying, well, you didn't say it how you didn't do how I wanted you to do it. That yeah. is toxic as well. Um, well, and so. it's right. Like I want you to go out to the road, hitchhike for one mile. Then I want you to go rent a car and drive that for two miles. Right? And it may, yeah. it may yeah, be exactly. that. And then, and then and then get on the train. And then you go, yeah, okay, boss. But you know, I could just walk right right from here to there, <laughs> right. and I'd be good. Don't you don't you question me? Do it as I say. <laughs> and, right. And, hundred percent that happens. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Don't question yeah. me. I don't want to hear you, your insubordination. Go do it my way. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. That's right. Toxic, you know? Yeah. And well, they also, I think what you, you brought up a good point. It's like, you know, good leaders, I'd imagine, keep the humanity in their community, in their work environment versus robotic. You said, you know, and, and nobody likes to be treated like a robot or from my experience, like I don't want to be treated like a robot. I love, you know, I, I, and, and there's no shortage of information out there talking about the power of bringing autonomy to the workforce, letting them come up with their own map forward. You know, that, that like they feel rewarded just even being bestowed that on, you know, not that honor, if you will, but yes, in some ways be like, Hey, you make this happen. I want the, this is the end goal. Here's the goal. Let me know if I can support you in any way. Right. And, you know, the deadlines in like three weeks or a month or something like that go, you know, uh, like, versus like, like you said there, Will, with yeah, the, yeah. the autonomy piece. Right. And, yeah, and uh, you know, Kotler talks about it. Um, mm-hmm. I think James Clear talks about it in developing positive habits and developing yeah. that. Uh, uh, Daniel Pink also talks about it in drive, developing drive, developing that intrinsic motivation mm-hmm. comes from purpose, having purpose having a mastery over something, but then also having autonomy over something. If you can have those three, you can develop that intrinsic drive to actually Mm -hmm. accomplish it. You get that dopamine hit, you continually want to get better. But if you take away that autonomy, you you basically destroy your team, you destroy your culture. And that, even though it may not be viewed as toxic, you're destroying a team, you're destroying a motivation. You may be even destroying an individual and that Mm -hmm. is toxic. Well, and, yeah. and, it's, and it's not a sustainable leadership model. And, and that in and of itself is, is toxic, right? Something that's not sustainable. And, and look, you know, the question of autonomy is a good question. Then we need to ask, well, okay, well, how do you, how do you create autonomy? Okay, right. well, it's just really what we said. I am the leader. This is the mission. Mm-hmm. Come back to me with your plan. Done. That's autonomous. Right. right. right? right. Yep. <laughs> You're still, yep. and, you know, then you know, people say, yeah, but, 
I have no control over what happens. And what happens if they screw it all up? Well, well, hold on. That's a whole different issue. Okay. Mm. You're the leader. You have to hear the plan. Okay. And right. if you, don't you like the plan, you have to ask questions. There you you have to ask contingency questions. Well, okay. You want to hitchhike, right? What will you do if you're sitting there for four hours, five hours and no cars come by? And now it's getting to midnight, you know, given your A to B example, right? Right. What right. will you do then? That's a, that question's allowed. That's not micromanaging. That is challenge. That is your job as a leader. You're still mm-hmm. requiring them to come up with that answer. So mm-hmm. autonomy in and of itself is important. But then again, the, the knowledge on how to create it and why won't people say, here's the mission. Tell me how you're going to do it. Okay. Because there's either a massive ego that won't mm-hmm. let somebody come up with a better idea than they do or some type of fear that they will come up with a better idea. Now they're afraid they're not going to look as good because <laughs> they're the leader, right? Which is ridiculous. Right. right. Um, or some other fear, right? There's going to be something, but it, it's just going to come down to, to ego and fear around mm. why we don't create that autonomy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and funny, um, you know, you talked about the, the how and giving somebody the, the mission and say, okay, tell me how you're going to accomplish it. We just had uh, Stephen Drum on, uh, also re- uh, retired Navy SEAL uh, Master Chief, buddy of mine that was at SEAL Team 10 with me. And he talked about understanding commander's intent mm-hmm. and how important that is. And, you know, okay, yes, I understand commander's intent. My commander and, the, and his commander, his or her commander, you know, knowing one or two levels above you and what it is that they want to get accomplished, but you don't need to know the how you can develop that how, and that right. comes with the, uh, the, that gives you that sense of autonomy and mm-hmm. a sense of accomplishment if you do in fact do it. Uh, but if, as a leader, if we're telling people how the whole time, we're taking away that autonomy and, and destroying them. So uh, I like bringing in the commander's intent, uh, kind of military yeah. aspect of things. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I love, I also wanna go back to the the fear and ego, right? The, I, I honestly think they're, they're tied together. I think a lot of the time, the fear that we're mm-hmm. experiencing is ego driven, yep. right? Yes. Like it's, 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 we are, fe- we like Will mentioned, we're feeler, we are fearing failure. We're feeling mm-hmm. like you just mentioned Errol, somebody else overshadowing us because they came up with a better way <laughs> of doing something. Right. It's all driven by fear and ego. And those are so inextricably intertwined. We talk about the, the uh, abundance mindset versus the scarcity mindset. And I think a lot of that toxic leadership comes from that scarcity mindset, which is driven by ego and fear as well. Uh, mm-hmm. there's, there's so much here for, uh, for toxic leadership, toxic uh, cultures as well. And, and these, are, these are, you know, again, the toxic environment, once again, the, 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 the stereotype, I think, would be somebody intentionally doing these things. And this, you know, th- this ego and fear might be in place as interconnected as you say it is because somebody just doesn't, know about leadership right they haven't read the process art and science of leadership but you know, <laughs> but you know what I'm they, they, nice they, they have but they have right oh sorry about that no don't <laughs> it was great man it was great well played like go go read a book right go read yeah. a book on leadership to give you some type of guideline some type of place to go and the fact that you may not even read a book then that's the bad ego and fear like oh, I don't need to read a book, but you know, here's another thing that I see working with corporations 
that creates this toxic environment. Yeah. And it's around prioritization. Hmm. They, everybody, I mean, you want to talk about following shiny objects. <laughs> I, I, I can't because I still work with them, but I, I work with a couple of large organizations and, and this is a massively large organization. And sometimes I wonder how they make one single dollar, right? Because <laughs> if this corporation has, you know, close to a million people worldwide, right? They're not going to come in. Leader 193 is not going to come in and change the culture of that. But I work with the individual teams around it. And if my program is eight weeks long, I'm not lying. When I say week to week, there's a new thing to deal with because the priority has changed. Oh, we're no man. longer, because right, we're, we're working on this, this thing that they're doing and we're going through the leadership process and we're breaking mm. it down and what's the plan and who blah, 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 the whole thing. So I'll get on the call and they go, okay, where are we on this? Like, well, we had to scrap it because they just mm. changed something. I'm mm. like, well, what, where's this initiative? I don't know. They just said this one was the new one. So then you get 15 mm. initiatives, okay, that just die on the vine. And you could be doing everything else right. But if nobody's ever finishing something they start, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's going to create an environment where people yeah. are just a little tired. And I, I tell you, and, and so that's, I, I just, you know, shared it on a massive scale with a massive company. But the same thing will happen with the smaller organization. Now it's easier to kind of fix, you know, at least for my role to go, whoa, whoa hold on a second. You can only do two things at a time. You don't have enough people to do more than that in the time frame you want. But, you know, I think that that inability to prioritize right. and stick to those priorities until right. you move on to something else is a massive shortcoming in, in corporate culture. Well, I think it, it sounds like it's a, uh, am I mic okay? Yeah, my mic's good. Yeah, good. It yeah. sounds like a massive, uh, you know, reaction to the market instead of having a plan, you know, executing that plan, you know, also knowing that within that plan, I mean, you're going to have to make some adjustments, you know, and things might not always like, uh, you might not always seem like you're going up all the time, you know, progressing, growing, you know, making more money, uh, if, if that's what the, the goal is. Uh, but just to be in that reactive state, I, what's come up for me a little bit is like, you know, I feel like we're in this massive reactive state of the world. I mean, because we're so tethered to the instantaneous results on our phone, you know, how many likes did I get? Like how many, you know, there, how many comments are I getting? How many people are reviewing this product? And, and, uh, and maybe this is, that's part of, uh, this incredible, uh, reactivity within, you know, the, what you're talking about, the, the repro continual reprioritization of, of, of the business model. Yep. And, and that doesn't, that doesn't, you know, and, and where does that leave again? It's like, where does that leave your people? You know, why not asking your, 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 you know, the, the people that are within the company, you know, what, what they think their priority should be or what, you know, like, why not work from as a holistic group, as a team, instead of it just coming from, you know, five or six people that maybe don't understand the product very well, you know, or whatever it is, like, it's just, it's just a horrible way to lead because you're not really, you're leading based on what, you know, and, and maybe that's part of it too. It's like, you know, what if you're in a company, Errol, and you know, they're like, well, we've always done things this way and we're worth $35 billion. So why should we change anything? Like, well, you know, yeah. you know, yeah. I had, when I was going through buds, I went through with a guy named Jim Randall, who he was, he was unfortunately killed, um, mm. you know, just at the couple of years into uh, 
the war on terror. But anyway, he was a Marine beforehand and he was in Desert Storm. And he said something to me that I, I say it all the time. And it's kind of like the analogy I just used with this company. I don't understand how they make a single dollar. He was just breaking down the military infrastructure and bureaucracy. And he just, and this is on the heels of the Gulf War. And he was in, he was a tank guy, I think. And anyway, he goes, you know, sometimes I wonder how we are ever even have the capacity to join a war, let alone fight one and win it because of, you know, how things get bogged down. Now, right. somehow the military overcomes that. But here are some things, again, just based on your point, Will, mm. when I ask about where these new initiatives come from, I can promise you on more than one occasion, it was speculation. Well, wow. somebody was sitting in the meeting with the boss and he made an offhand comment about how he thought something might look, you know, in a new light. And mm. everybody just takes that and runs with it. Like, for this didn't happen, but to break that example down, right? All, somebody's handing the big boss some marketing material and it's on a bright orange sheet of paper and he's looking at it and he goes, oh, that's nice. He goes, you know, but I always just did, did love the color blue. And that's it. All of a sudden, the marketing team is like, we got to change everything to blue. <laughs> right. Yeah. The guy just made an offhand comment. He never said, I don't want this, you know, whatever it was. And the point is, you know, mm. we talk about toxic leadership, toxic environment with nobody being able to say, okay, boss, are you actually saying to right. change it to blue? And he's like, no, I think mm -hmm. you know, the orange looks great. What are you talking about? I was just, whatever it is that that didn't happen, but that's an example of sure. things that happen. Yeah. And that creates this craziness. So all of a sudden everybody's, and again, it would be boring if I told you the things they speculated on, but they went back and this is different companies multiple times. They went back to the boss with the, the new thing they thought he wanted. Right. And he was like, when did this become the new plan? Right. He, he had yeah, no right. idea. And now everybody's all pissed off because the boss. So again, mm. toxic environment. And it's, it's like people don't even know they're creating it just with that well, lack of, you know, leadership. Yeah. The, yeah you know, the, the flip side of that, too, is as a leader, being aware of how what you say is interpreted by your people. Right. 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 So right. and you have to be aware of that, which comes to toxic leadership awareness. Right. So you may be an awesome leader, but you're not paying attention to how the words that you say are interpreted by your people and you say, Oh, I've always liked the color blue. Well, what relevance does that have to the conversation? And your people take it as, well, I want everything to be blue. Right. And then, then they waste a week making everything blue when you never said that, nor was that your intent. Mm. Um, so there's, you know, two sides to that there's your subordinate leaders who are going to suddenly run with that and yep. be like, Hey, boss said he wants everything blue. No, your boss never said that. Right. That's how you interpret that. it. But right. as as the boss who's saying that, um, if you see that happen once because of an offhand comment that you made, you need to be right. aware of that's how your people are going to interpret what you say. And so yeah. I think that the responsibility is on really both, it, both yeah. organizations. A hundred percent. And and right. that it does create a toxic environment, right? This is yep. the this is the passive elements of, of your guys' topic, which I think is a great topic. Mm -hmm. I literally am just I'm working with a guy now who's in charge of the company, and that was literally the thing he was going to start working on based on the work we did. Yeah. I have to stop making these offhand comments. 
There and you he go. went through a series of things that happened. Either right. he hurt people's feelings or something was done. And he was like, what? I never said that. You know, yeah. and he, at least he had the insight to come up with that himself, based right. on what we were talking about. That's great. But it, yeah. created, it created chaos. So, yeah. you know, that, yeah. that environment gets created in so many strange, well, unique ways. And that environment you're talking about, Earl, is like a fearful environment. Like to not even raise, you know, to say like, hey, going from blue to orange, you know, to, for someone to raise their hand at a meeting like, uh, hey, Mr. Boss, you know, Mr. Leader. It's like uh, we did market research on this six months ago. And we decided to go in this color because of the research and, and right. you know, the stuff that we did as a team, um, you know, and then bringing that into his awareness, you know, and, and if he wants to switch his idea after hearing that, great. But like, you know, to live in an environment where you're just... I feel they're just trying to please the boss, you know, I mean, right. just please the boss, make him happy. So then I can get my raise or, you know, and maybe I feel like this, this boss in this kind of environment, like really is, uh, uh, it's creating that toxic environment because he doesn't sound like it's a, you know, a, a inclusive environment in the sense of like, bring your ideas, like, please question me, like, let's grow this together and using all the minds that are in the room with all the great creativity and all the wonderful skills and the various skills that everyone has in order to really effectively continually move forward based on the priorities, you know, that you identified in the beginning of the year or that quarter, you know, and, and it, it so much can come from that, you know, uh, I, I feel like you tell me, Arl, like a lot of those, in, these leadership and the leaderships create the environment and what environment are they creating? And, and is that something you even talk about as far as, okay, what kind of work environment do you want to have or what kind of feelings that you want um, that your employees to have every time they walk in, you know, are we taking risks? Are we innovating? Are we, you know, working with autonomy? Are we collaborating over the creativity? And, you know, if I can, Going off here a little bit, but you're aware. You're aware. I'm fully aware. I'm fully aware of all the fucking problems that are out there. I feel, you know, uh, you know. Even I, I work alone. I work with John. He's a fucking terrible boss. You know, I'm just kidding. No, we work together on this. I'm just kidding. John's awesome. Uh, but yeah. So where can we go with that, uh, Errol? Well, I think I, I think it's it might be a good spot if you're game to start telling some stories. You know, let's yeah. do it. Go you know, it. so look, I love your stories, Errol. The, the, F, the FBI, so you're going to get a, you know, look, I, I, anytime something goes sideways, there's, there's two sides, right? And I'll, let me acknowledge up front that there are probably some things I could have handled better in these situations that I'm going to uh, relay to you, but it still would have been the same spirit of going against what was, what was happening. I don't know that I stood a chance. So we'll start piecemeal here. So, you know, I generally worked cases. So this is when I was, I, I moved out of terrorism and I was, uh, I went to a smaller office. I was in New York city for a while. And then I went to a smaller office and, you know, the size of the office was the size of my squad in New York hmm. city. That's how small it was. Right. So, you know, then in, I come right. And I had made some pretty good terrorism cases. So I come with a reputation and really it's like, well, Mr. New York City thinks he's going to come to here and tell us that, you know, like you want to talk about bumfuck, you know, I was like, I can't even believe what I'm looking at. I, I, I walked in the first day in a suit and tie, you know, and they're like, New York City. <laughs> so that's that's what I was dealing with out of the gate. Right. So anyway, so I'm working a case and it's a gang case and it's a it's against a gang that had just absolutely terrorized this this neighborhood and community for 
years, 20 years, and went back to the case files. There were three separate cases on this gang, and nobody could get anything done. So I was like, well, I'll, I'll take a shot at it, right? And I was pretty good at, at recruiting sources. So I recruited a couple of sources. They got us inside the gang. Now we've got people in there. Now we're getting intelligence. And now it's time to start operating, right? It's time to start disrupting some things. And these guys were like every other gang, you know, guns and drugs. And that's, it was the more guns, right? Because everybody, every gang does drugs. But we had the gun angle and it was scary um, what they were doing. So I put together a plan and we were going to, we were going to buy some weapons and um, I put my plan in and my boss says, well, okay, um, this looks okay, but you know, you should think about doing this part of it this way, you know, whatever the details were. I'm like, okay, thanks. But I go, we're approved. He goes, yeah, yeah. Good luck. I'm like, Great. So we go and we, we have undercovers in, we're meeting people that nobody's ever met before. It's all on video. We're buying guns, you know, making new deals, making new connections. And the way I did it was the way I did it. It was what was documented. I come back and I get sat down and my boss and his boss start ripping into me. And I'm literally like, is there another operation going on out there that, I, that you're mixing me up with? They're like, we told you that we wanted you to execute those sales this way. I go, no, you didn't. I said, you made a recommendation that I didn't take. Right. And I asked before I left, is this plan approved? And they said, you should have known that's what we meant. And I, and I, I immediately said, no, I fucking shouldn't have known. If you wanted me to know something, you need to tell me. That's exactly what you want. Oh, well, we thought you were smarter than that. And I oh, said, now they're insulting I thought, you, right? Yeah, now, now we're, so this was the brand of toxic leadership that everybody, and so at that point, I probably could have, done something other than go, well, I'm sorry. I thought you were a lot fucking smarter than that. Right. <laughs> I didn't, you know, so again, oh, I, I am acknowledging that yeah. I have culpability in some of this stuff. Yeah. The yeah. point is now we start getting micromanaged and in the worst possible way. And I say, okay, if I can stop one second, yeah. or if I can stop you. So here you got results, right? You, you got guns, you did this and, and you, you, they know this and they just ignored it completely. They they went, did, that didn't fucking matter. They went right to you disobeyed a direct order. I said, there is no such order given. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I disobeyed nothing. You signed yeah. this uh, operational sheet. Right, okay. Right. So now okay. we're, and again, yeah. I'm, I'm giving you broad strokes, right? We could, sure. I could spend two hours on, on that op alone, but anyway, so now we're getting deeper and deeper in, in spite of their micromanagement. And it's time for me to now do some big things with big money. And so I said to the boss, I go, all right, I'm going to, I need to make a request. There's this program out here that I found. They've got a ton of cash and, and I'm going to ask for some money because I think I'll get it quickly because we need it for, you know, the buys and so on and so forth and to get the next introduction. And he goes, well, what are you going to ask for? You know, 5,000? And I go, yeah, plus a zero. <laughs> and, you know, I was like, 5,000? 
and I said, no, and I said, plus is zero. And he goes, that's ridiculous. That'll never get approved. I go, okay, well, there's no skin off your nose to let me request it. And right. let's prove you right. I literally said, let's prove you right. He goes, no, I won't allow it. So <laughs> I knew he was. <laughs> so, You're reliving the frustration. That's how fucked right? this so, is, right? So I know he's going on leave <laughs> the next day. Right? <laughs> so I kind of sit on, I go, hey, boss, why don't we just, before we just put a nix on this, let's just, let's, let's marinate on it, right? Let's think about it. He goes, fine. I go, okay. So he leaves. I now maintain chain of command and I go to the person at headquarters and I say, I want to submit this request. The boss is out of town and I think you're the next signature anyway. What do you want me to do? And they go, no, no, that's fine. You're good. I go, okay, but the boss is out of town. He's not signing off on this. They're like, yeah, no worries. They re they called me back like an hour later. They're like, approved. You kidding <laughs> me? This is perfect. 50K. By the time the boss gets back in two days, I'm counting oh. out the 50K on my desk. Where did that come from? I said, I told you. <laughs> right? He goes, I told you not to do that. I said, no, we agreed that we would think about it. And then I just ran it by headquarters and they had it approved. <laughs> the point is, yeah, he yeah, tried yeah. to call headquarters and say, take the money back. Take the money back. He disobeyed a direct order. And they were like, what are you talking about? He's about to buy like four AK-47s and be introduced to the person that nobody's ever seen before. Like, no, we're not taking the money back. My point is, yeah. these things started to happen over and over again. And could I have done better not to work the system so well to get what I wanted and maybe been more collaborative? I could have, but then I don't think it would have been, things wouldn't have been approved. Right. Bottom line is, okay, now here's what we've got. We've got um, a cache of, of weapons, anywhere from AK-47s, sawed-off shotguns, standard pistol. We had a 50 caliber handgun. Like, I, it was a joke. I didn't think those things, it was like this big. I'm like, we got a 50 caliber handgun. Something out of the exists. movies, right? It was something <laughs> out of the movies, right? And, and we've, got, uh, we've got cocaine and heroin, okay? And so I just came back from an op, and the recording device, um, it was late. So I bought it home, and I was going to you know, bring it back the next day. We, um, the recording device clicks on and I'm in my room, I'm in the kitchen with my wife, who was an FBI employee and my father-in-law, who was a former FBI employee. And I start making up the martinis, <laughs> right? You can hear it on the, on the fucking recording. Anyway, I start, I start, I start venting about how oh, frustrated geez. I am with the FBI leadership. I don't call anybody a name, but here's the thing. Oh, it was the greatest rant that nobody could hold against me, right? I wasn't like that fucking little dick cocksucker, right? I did none of that, <laughs> right? It was weirdly, completely professional. I'm very frustrated in the way they're micromanaging everything mm -hmm. and the way he's trying to undercut this, literally laying out the facts, Right? I love how you call and it then, weirdly, then, weirdly professional. Yeah, weird, right? yeah, exactly. Was, like, yeah. Right. In the background yeah. from my third martini. Right? <laughs> so, 
So anyway, <laughs> this gets found out, right? As we're, you know, you go through the process and somebody's like, Errol, do you know what just happened? I'm like, no. So they're like, you recorded yourself at home. And I'm like, so what? And then I'm like, when was that? I'm like, oh shit. I go, was I making martinis? <laughs> right? And they're like, yeah. was that that noise? So the point is, I go, well, I go, I'm, I'm pretty hip on what I said. And I said, I don't, it shouldn't be a problem. Like, I think the boss isn't going to like it, but first of all, it's, it's not going to be admissible because it has nothing to do with the case. The judge is going to argue this doesn't need to be to the jury. And even if it is, the jury's going to be like, oh, this guy hates his boss, but here's the evidence. So I was like, so what? You know, and my wife was like, Errol, no, that's not the way it's going to go down. Trust me. Mm -hmm. Long story short, okay? They shut down the case. Shut it down. Done. Because of this tape, I've compromised wow. the thing. And I said, well, I haven't compromised anyway. I said, guys, they're like, when are we going to get our apology? I said, you're not going to get your apology. I go, what I said in there, I meant. I go, I'm sorry you had to hear it this way. They're like, well, why didn't you tell us? I go, because I was trying to get through a case. I go, trust me when I tell you, when we were going to arrest the gang that nobody could touch for 20 years, I was going to tell you what I thought of you, but I was going to wait till we were done. <laughs> Literally, I said those words. Mm -hmm. So they shut it down. I go, well, what are you going to do? How are you going to count for all the weapons and drugs and video recordings of all of these transactions? How are you going to account for that? Don't worry about it because you're not going to be here. I go, mm -hmm. what do you mean I'm not going to be here? They're like, you are a disruptive force. And literally, the East Coast of the United States cannot have you here. You are being transferred elsewhere. Wow. I said, let me get this straight. The East Coast of the United States is being affected by me? They're like, yes. Do, doing your job. Do, just because I am a problem. So they have this thing called something no longer able to effectively operate, do your job. So you need to be transferred. What it, the, 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 um, the basis of it is if you were like an undercover employee and you got compromised, like well, you're no longer able to do your job because you've been right. compromised. So we've got we've to transfer you. It wasn't meant to be punitive. So these guys, and again, I'll, I keep saying long story short, I'll make a long story less long. <laughs> they start, they start going through this process to uproot me and my family from where we are to some random place. And my boss says, I wouldn't fight this arrow because if you fight it, all the facts are going to have to come out. And I said, boy, let me introduce myself. My name is Errol Dobler in case you had, like, are you kidding me? You think that's something so we had to go through this whole process. Mm -hmm. They wrote all this stuff, and then I had to defend it. I literally had the highest levels of Washington calling me going, we're sorry this happened. This is a travesty. If I didn't fight the way I fought, they would have gotten their way. It just so yeah. happened I've got a little game in me, yeah, and, yeah. and I fought it. But when we talk about toxic leadership, Let's bring it back home. Yes. Ego, fear, regardless right. of what's happening, that's how we're doing business. Man, that's why I left the FBI, right? The, the yeah. 
The work itself, I loved. It was that craziness, right? People got into these positions of power and then these are the things they did. So, yeah. So hopefully it's a good story and hopefully no, it fits into yeah. what we're doing, but you know. Go ahead, John. Well, let's, I mean, if those guys had been aware of their mm. toxic leadership. Now, granted, what you said, hey, who doesn't go home and talk to their spouse about Mm-hmm. their leadership right right hey whether it's hey you're you're frustrated with micromanagement you're frustrated with a particular decision made there, there's things that are said in uh in your home understanding and thinking that you have um complete privacy i mean your particular instance was not that way um then how they interpreted it they took it personally got wrapped up in it ego and fear got involved again here as leaders, how do we become aware of our own toxic leadership? Yeah. Or as as subordinates, how do we address that to a superior yeah, who we question. know is going to be wrapped up in their ego and fear without fear of, uh, yeah, fear of getting fired? Yeah. yeah. How do we do that? Yeah, look, that that's the million-dollar question. And unfortunately... There's, there's not a, a very good answer. There's a, there's a couple basic things, right? Mm. Hey, boss, can I try it this way? Do you mind, right? Leadership up, asking for what you want in a professional way. Mm. Okay, that, that's in many instances the best you can do. They will either say yes or no, okay? But then what we've got to come to, and it's, it's what I came to, is what are you willing to tolerate, right? Mm. What are you willing to tolerate? Where are your priorities? And are you willing to be a part of a culture that does these things? The answer might be yes, and that's okay. Yes, I disagree with everything that's happening in this company. I disagree with its culture, but I need this job. Therefore, I will suck it up and stay here. That's okay. That's your decision. Okay, but unfortunately, in many instances, that's the decision that needs to be made, right? So when we start saying, I don't, this, this goes against everything I stand for. Okay, and what? Because you have to then make a decision. Either you live with it and just get on with it, right? Because there's no sense complaining about it. You've identified it. Or you make a change for yourself. And that mm. is super scary. I'm not advocating for people to mm. quit their jobs. Right, but, right, right. Right? Let's just be honest about what it is. There's only so much you're going to be able to do. Again, approaching the boss, having a professional conversation, mm-hmm. asking them, do you mind if I try to do it this way? Because by giving reasons behind what you want, all about professionalism, but understanding that you may or may not get what you want. And then you just simply have to ask yourself the question, and what now? What am I willing to tolerate? And it right. might be a lot and it might be nothing, but you've got to come to that on your own. You know, that, that's kind of a crappy answer. No, it's well, not. No, it, it's a hard situation too, because you know, like you maybe have mouths to feed at home, or you know, you just bought a new home or something like that, and it's like yeah. I need this job. And and what's sad in that situation when you just suck it up and tolerate it, you're just adding to the the toxic environment. You know, you're you're actually enabling a toxic leader in a lot of ways, which is kind of sad. You know, because you're unwilling to question, unwilling, you know, to rock the boat, unwilling to even have your name recognized, if you will by the leader because you think that's like a, a bad thing. It's just, uh, uh, it's all, I mean, I've, one thing that came up too, as well as the ego part is like the power, the power of being in a leader leadership position and, and how is, uh, uh, in your 
experience like is that kind of toxic to, toxic to the soul toxic to the environment and how do you deal with like say you're you, you plan on being a partner at some law firm someday you know and maybe you you see that trajectory and it's and it's very close a couple years away it's like how do you prevent yourself from being you know overcome by power accessing this 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 or inflating this ego and then continually creating a, a new toxic environment under your leadership yeah the again there's just simply no good answer to that because you yeah. so many so much of that is out of your control and mm -hmm. and you know it's what we talked about the first time i was on right the difference in the leadership from the seal teams to the fbi the seal teams they have their problems mm -hmm. okay they're not perfect but yeah. the expectation is clear and mm -hmm. when you get somebody who is just a complete moron of a leader everybody mm -hmm. has the same general reaction like oh god how the hell did he get you know how'd that happen Whereas yeah, right. in the FBI, it's the opposite. Like, yep, there, there's another one. You know, right. and the, the thing about it is, you know, as we kind of close up, yeah. leaving is a scary thing. But yeah. I left the FBI. And then my wife left the FBI. And we were petrified. We were working with that in that. We had, at that time, mm. two kids, one on the way. Yeah. And we just said, well, we can't live with what we're seeing. So we're going to go for it. Like most things, best decision I ever made. Mm -hmm. Because of that decision, I started to meet new people, right? I started my, my company. Now we are autonomous. Now we do get to build something. Mm -hmm. Then I met, and it's something we didn't really get to. I met a doctor, right? Because I was at a party. Because based on business leaders being at a party who had this non-pharmaceutical mm -hmm. cure, cure for TBI, which I was able to then take and get myself That's healed right. after yeah. suffering mm -hmm. for 20 years with something I didn't mm -hmm. know. My point mm -hmm. is, you know, again, and I would love at some point, maybe we can tell that story. But the point Please. is you make that move that is mm -hmm. so scary. People who make it very rarely come back and go, that was the worst thing I ever did to get out of that toxic environment that I was yeah. in. I just, I don't hear yeah. those stories, you know? So yeah. I don't know what the answer is. I don't say I just leave, um, but you, you know, talking about that that one leadership up, right? You talked about leading leading up, and uh, I just want to give an example of of an instance that I had in the SEAL teams. I mean, we've talked about the FBI, and you, you said, hey, the, the kind of the exception in the SEAL teams is the bad leaders. Um, and I don't want to turn this into an FBI bashing uh, session. It kind of is. Sometimes it's fine. <laughs> yeah. But, but uh, truth hurts. Well, um, in the SEAL teams, I, I had this one particular leader who I'm, I'm like really good friends with, but he ended up being a leader of mine. I, I was working directly for him. And some things that he was doing was very uh, toxic. And um, I struggled with it and it was trickling down, right? It was causing me to be toxic and my people saw it. And then they came to me and then I, like, hey, boss, hey, you're not, you're not acting like you normally do. Let's, uh, what, what's happening? And then, uh, and I ended up going to this one individual. So he was my troop commander. So I was the platoon commander. He was my troop commander. For those listening, I was one position below him. And I went to his troop senior enlisted guy so he had a senior chief working for him and I, and I know this is all getting lost in the rank and everything but bottom line is he had a he had an enlisted guy working with him that i went to and i'm like hey here's here's what i'm seeing here's what i'm feeling here's what i'm hearing from the guys and he was like well let's let's talk with him i'm like well he's my boss i can't 
bring this up to him and and you know tell him that his leadership is toxic mm-hmm. and he's like well yeah you can we can we can counsel yeah, can, up yeah. he's like you can counsel up and i was like counsel up i've never you know i've been counseled down but i've never counseled <laughs> up. Like, yeah he's like well you, you, yeah yeah exactly <laughs> and uh he's like well let's let's do it so we set up a meeting and we we actually did counsel up i, I sat down with him and uh he he'd be okay. I'm not going to share names, but he would be okay with me sharing the story because he actually was very thankful for me doing that, for us doing mm-hmm. that. And he said that changed his leadership style for the rest of his career. And that affected him positively mm-hmm. professionally, but also personally on his personal uh, life. So our being aware of our own toxic leadership mm-hmm. is important and sometimes it takes having somebody point that out to us. Right. And this comes back to the ego. Set that fucking ego aside. Mm-hmm. Listen to what is being said. And you can, in fact, become a better leader, better person because of it. If you are able to set that ego aside. If he had said, you know what? Fuck you. You're below me. This is not how mm-hmm. things work. You're not supposed to yeah. counsel up. Da, da, da. He would have carried that forward. And he would yeah. have been that same leader affecting somebody else negatively, affecting another team negatively. Mm-hmm. Um Whereas he set his ego aside, listen to what we had to say and change and is better for it. And we still are good friends to this day. And he shares that story with me often. I'm like, hell yeah. He's like, do you remember what? I'm like, hell yeah, I remember that. <laughs> right, because it was one of the hardest things I ever had to do. So that's hard. why I remember so hard. it. Yeah. And, and, and that just goes again to the power of, we want to talk about toxic leadership and leadership because it affected you just yep. because it was trickling down trickling all over down. you. And, right. and that's how it works. So yep. these, 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 we go back to the FBI. I just simply don't know how they fix the problem because it is uh, so endemic into what's yeah. happening in there. I, I just don't know how it gets fixed, but anything can get yeah. fixed. But yeah, yeah. I Hopefully think they, uh, they listen to this show and they read your book yeah. and they're like, you know what? We need to change. We, we well, need well, Errol. Let's, yeah, let's yeah, exactly. Him. Call leader193.com. <laughs> right. uh, but I think one thing, you know, what I'm hearing, it's like, and I think maybe this will be the new way, or this is one way we can fix this problem, I think, in a little bit, uh, or definitely in some ways, is what you said, John, is like if you have a, a good leader has the balls, right, to have self reflection or to actually be reflected back. How is my leadership? Yeah. You know, what can I do better? Right. Also, I think leaders of the future. Right. And what we're trying to drive in the show and arrow, what you're bringing into the work that you're doing is what do you how do you self reflect? You meditate, you breathe, you get in touch with yourself, um, you know, emotionally. Right. You begin to understand like the habits of your leadership. Right. And then the ones that work, the ones that don't work. You know, you begin to utilize your personnel to to. for, for their great, for, for wonder, their wonderful attributes, instead of it all being on you and all being about your power, all being about, you know, literally your childish need to be seen or to be heard or to like, you know, seem important where it's like, you know, realize you're not that fucking important. Like you have a job to do. You happen to be in a leadership position, but if you really want to be effective and you want to, and also I think what's important is the leaders that we love the most are the ones that are inclusive, the ones that are kind, the ones that get, have the ability or, 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 or take the, the, that those opportunities to be like, Hey, like, how can I do things better? And, uh, you know, and hopefully that's what this episode is helping people to become more aware of, you know, but you have the balls as a leader to be like, look, like go to your team, go to your people and be like, Hey, like, uh, are we get, are we on the right track? Are we off, off track? Like, and how could we do things better? And hopefully we see more leaders like that in the future, for sure. And ones that are meditating, breathing and understanding, like, you know, that 
you know, anger, frustration, and uh, and power are are not a great way to, ways to lead, for sure. Well, look, if yeah. there's a takeaway right from this yeah. thing, because this was good fun, we covered a lot yeah. of stuff. Totally. You know, I would love to get on again and talk about the wellness Always. aspect of this thing. But yeah. what's the takeaway? Mm-hmm. Do 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 an anonymous survey. Go hire a company. Go. Do a 360 degree. And That's right. And see it. Have the because there, there are ways to get those answers. So if you have the the balls, yeah. figure, figure, figure it. <laughs> Masculinity two It's going right. to say balls in the show, right? <laughs> if you figuratively have the balls, ladies, to get yeah, out but, there and right. do it. But that that's a way. There's a way to do it, and that there will be go. the scariest thing you do. But that's and the most the rewarding. fact that you're doing that, yeah. your people will be like, Damn, that's right. Yes, okay. exactly. respect right, in a new we're way. We're with you. We're yeah. with you. I'm going to give yeah. it to you straight, but we're with you. Yeah. So. Yeah. Great. Uh, Errol, thank you. Anything? Hey, plug whatever's coming up next for you, please, in your website uh, before we leave. Yeah. Look, Leader193 does 360 assessments. There you go. <laughs> so, All right. Dude, you're just killing it with the segues today. <laughs> but, we do, but we do have a couple of things. We've got a, a, a leadership and Wim Hof method retreat coming up which I'll give you guys a, a discount code for your, your listeners. Oh, nice. It's out, it's out here. It's uh, November 11th through 13th, going over all the wellness portions that we do. And, and then my process is going to be super meditative and, and reflective. It's going to be awesome. We just launched our Leader 193 Online Academy. It's essentially what I go through with my clients. Um, the video series minus the one-on-one calls, but we've added bi-monthly calls for those members. So, you know, that's out there at a super affordable price point. Um, and I think we'll send you guys a discount code for that as well. Oh, so those are the, those awesome. are the new things we've got going on. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Well, Staying no. busy, brother, making positive changes and leaders yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Well, only through being at the pinnacle of my career for a second time on men talking <laughs> mindfulness. <laughs> oh, thank you. Ah, well done. Well done. Well, Errol, always a pleasure, brother. Well, right, Errol. Yeah. Love you guys and enjoy you guys weekend for those listening. Hey, if you got something out of this show, make sure you share it with others and make sure you like and subscribe to our show. Follow us on YouTube and everywhere else. We appreciate you guys as listeners. And until next time, peace. Peace. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Errol. John, awesome joining us today. We hope you walk away with some new tools and insights to guide you on your life journey. New episodes are being published every week, so please join us again for some meaningful discussion. For more information, please check out mentalkingmindfulness.com.